0: We're gonna end with the cancel on effect. That's it. We're gonna talk about the cancel on effect, and that's how you know we're done, okay? Um
1: <laughs> you know. <me. laughs> He's not gonna stop. That's
0: how you know. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, we're gonna say this is gonna be like part one of two because it's such a long. Yeah,
1: yeah sure. Thing.
0: Uh, you ready? <laughs> I guess I'm ready.
1: Assalamu alaikum wa barakatuh Everyone welcome back to another episode of The Shady Youth. As usual, I'm your host Shaquille And today we have a very good friend of mine, Dewan, as our guest.
0: Assalamu alaikum. Um yeah, I'm glad to be here.
1: Awesome, alhamdulillah. So, the topic of today's episode is is a pretty unique one. Um I know recently uh, the recent episodes have been more geared towards like uh like spirituality, politics, uh some poetry mixed in there. Um but then this is also something very key in today's modern world, and especially as, as a Muslim, um, which I don't think gets talked enough about. And, and that's the whole topic of like economics, of like uh, financial independence. Um, we're going to touch on some basics uh, relatively for this episode, and inshallah we're going to have a part two. Right, that one? Yeah. <laughs> awesome, bro. Um, so just to start off, could you give a little background of like who you are? Um, how you study this stuff and like what exactly we're gonna to touch on for this episode?
0: All right. So just a disclaimer: um, I don't consider myself an expert by any means, um, and for me, it's uh, just something that I really enjoy learning about. And I tend to learn like things that I really enjoy. I tend to know much better than I anything that I've studied in school. And I think the same is true for most of us. Like we might study something in school, but we're just it's it's a different feeling than actually studying something on your own and really diving deep into it. So, I studied. Uh, I changed my major like four times maybe in total. But I started off with finance major at Baruch uh, and it just wasn't it for me. So eventually, I decided to do uh, digital marketing. But that's also because uh, we would have like this. We were having these amazing events in charity week, and I was like, you know, everything. What's charity week. So charity week is this event that takes place every. Year uh, Islamic Relief is the brains behind it, but um, it's a worldwide event in which we spend about a week or a week and a half raising uh, money for different causes. Uh, and a lot of MSAs are a part of it, but not a lot of non-Muslim organizations are also part of it. Um, so yeah, so I, I was act- I was in charge of uh, Charity Week for one year, um, and after doing that, I was like, you know, there's a lot we could do through digital marketing. And, um, there's this, uh, fundraiser that I got to work on with a friend of mine, uh, Aiden Anwar, for, uh, uh, for the Uyghurs. And so there was this, uh, we we were thinking like, what can we do for them? Mm-hmm. And we found out like, oh, there's an orphanage. Uh, and so she was, she was like, I'm gonna make a lunch good. And we both edited it. And then we, we just put it out there and we didn't expect to get as much attention as we did. I think we raised like $107,000 from that. Oh, but what was amazing is, um, like the reach that we had we had people donating from japan we had people donating from like norway germany and that was exciting for me and for that gave me like some sort of confirmation like this is what i should be doing at baruch uh just learn something that i think is valuable that can help me do valuable things and it's something that i could use if i wanted to like start my own business as well so Mm -hmm. that's what i decided to do
1: gotcha okay that's that sounds amazing um you, you said that your major is digital marketing, but how does that tie into um, yeah. your passion about, like, uh, economics? Because that's that's going to yeah. be the focus of this episode, So and especially since your specialty is Bitcoin. All right. Uh,
0: so I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen, um, there's this 30-minute YouTube clip by this guy named Ray Dalio called How the Economic Machine Works. It's so popular that, some people actually post it on tiktok like i see it on tiktok every now and then i'm just like okay that's interesting and actually people actually find it interesting so this guy ray dalio right he's uh he's a hedge fund manager and he he created a model for understanding the economy around him so that he can use it to invest uh people's capital and because of that um he decided to share this model with the rest of the world and he created these beautiful animations that go along with it. Maybe Shaquille can add like the video in your show notes or something.
1: Sure,
0: if uh, but it's, it's it's like a it's like a it's an amazing video. So I got into macroeconomics primarily watching that, but I've been investing my own money uh, since like 2016, well, when I was in high school because I, I really need to figure out what I wanted to do in college and uh I decided on improve because I wanted to go to uh, were business school. you investing your own money in high school? Yeah. Uh, i just started because i i, I thought like dipping my toes into the water would be the best way to learn okay uh and if i lost my money it would be like a lesson well learned but yeah it, it worked alhamdulillah so
1: how'd yeah. you get into investing at at such a young age
0: um yeah so at first i had a friend uh his name was jordan mcleod at, at bard Shout out. uh and he had a business where he was like um where he was like shipping different things mm-hmm. funny enough like uh, we were both in the math cl- in the same math class uh, I think calculus and I went to the I went to the bathroom once and I found his backpack there but I didn't know it was his backpack so it was open already so I see a bunch of small boxes of things so I'm like this is really strange uh, and I, I, I literally just took one of the boxes of things I opened it and it was, it was guitar strings so then he's like he's like uh, <laughs> he's a funny guy uh that's the best way to describe him but he walks in he's like so you found my stuff And I'm like, "Uh, uh, sure, yeah. Uh, And I was like, it's kind of awkward, right? But then he explained, like, oh, I know it looks really awkward, but I just, I I sell this stuff on eBay. And so I developed a friendship with him. And he just, he started having a lot of capital. Like, this guy had a motorcycle when he was, like, in high school. He'd come into a bar with a motorcycle and just, like, it was kind of flashy. But he he started, he was also very, uh, very interesting. He was reading uh, Trump's book as well. Like art, art of the deal. I, I, I found him reading that once, um, in like a class, and I'm like, what's going on? And just to give you context, Bard is like a very liberal high school, right? We don't. I think we have like like three Republicans in total. There's only five hundred kids, like four hundred kids maybe in total. Um, but yeah, he told me about Bitcoin, right? He was like, there's this currency, and he was like, the value of it is rising and whatever, like, and. At the time, it was the same time that I started listening to this podcast called The Investor's Podcast with um, this guy named Preston Pysh and Stig Brodersen. And on the one hand, I was learning about this thing called value investing, which is like a very traditional method of investing where you try to figure out what something is worth. If it's worth below uh, what you think it's worth on the stock market, then you go ahead and uh, buy it, anticipating that the value of it would rise. And so... He introduced me to Bitcoin. I bought some at a price of around five hundred dollars. At the same time, I was studying value investing, you and so bought
1: Bitcoin when,
0: and I think it was around. The price I just remember the price was around uh, five hundred dollars because I can look at my account and okay. see like previous history. I just I don't remember the exact time it was there, but this was uh maybe early twenty seventeen or uh, late twenty sixteen. Okay, but
1: um. So you were investing into Bitcoin like. In high
0: school. Yeah. But I didn't know I didn't know what it was. Uh I just knew that there was a lot of hype around it and uh-huh. Jordan had made a lot of money and he was now riding a motorcycle to school. Oh nice. <laughs> so I guess there's like i I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just really interested. Um but surprisingly enough, uh what ended up happening was it rose in value and the five hundred dollars became twelve hundred dollars and I was like and at the same time I was reading about value investing, so I was like and in value investing, like you, some of the core books of it are like *The Intelligent Investor*, which is a book written by Ben Graham, who's Warren Buffett's professor, okay. uh, and he's he's the one who taught uh, Warren Buffett the things that he knows. And so, in the first chapter, he's they're describing bubbles, and I'm like, this thing is a bubble. It, like my money has more than doubled so quickly, and it's and it's going up and down. It's so volatile. So I sold at that time, and I just focused on value investing, um, and yeah. Okay, Uh, that
1: sounds good, Um, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned Charity Week in the beginning, uh, because that's kind of like where um, where where this whole Bitcoin uh, passion of yours was kind of like uh, uh, put on everyone else. Yeah. So uh, just a bit of context um, for Charity Week, uh, Dewan held two classes. He uh, he charged a fee, and most of it was um, given to Islamic Relief, and. This man he put like a three hour class and then he did it again another three hours and alhamdulillah he's doing like a one hour podcast. Yeah um so could you could you just kind of uh give give some uh baseline understanding of what exactly you talked about in that class. Yeah. Um and of course you, you don't you use a very uh a very good model of um starting starting from scratch of like uh what exactly is like currency. Yeah. So just kind of start from there.
0: So the idea for the class wasn't, um, it wasn't something I planned. Uh, so part of me was like, I at this time it just felt like it, it was a good. At this time, I think it's a great time to invest, right? But it's also it's always a good time to donate as well, right? Those are the only, like it's kind of cheesy, but the only returns that you could get on an investment that are better than uh, money are donations that you give to the needy and. Mm-hmm. returns you get from a lot you can't really quantify those right so for me i was in a weird position where if i if i sold uh some of my investments i might owe um i might end up owing some uh capital gains tax um if but i could also just try to raise money that could be donated as well and so i was like yeah i don't want to be in the sticky situation so i had I had a set amount to donate, but I wanted to donate much more than I felt like, I feel like every few years you want to donate more than you did uh, a few previous years before Mm -hmm. that. Right. It's like a goal, especially now that I'm an alumni, I feel like there's a expectation from it. So what ended up happening was, um, I just put that class together. I pulled an all nighter. It was like 53 slides that I did overnight. Uh, and it just was different things that I had read books, articles, uh, podcasts, uh, and to be honest like majority of these ideas are just from these people. I don't consider them my own Like Plato has a saying like it's all thought is recollection, right? I, and I, I actually feel so I don't I don't think I should ever say like oh, this is these are my ideas This is my this is something yeah. I produce just because
1: you're not just, doing any istihad yeah. on this. Yeah, I'm not really
0: <laughs> doing any independent reasoning on this It's this all uh, largely from Ajit. their research. But yeah
1: so um, you, you can you can go into it uh yeah. you uh, I, so, uh, I remember that originally you started off like with the comparison between like yeah. what is currency like how, how gold was like the original um form of currency that was being used and then yeah so, so that was a good comparison that you used
0: yeah so I, originally this presentation like it could take anywhere from three to four hours some people end up asking more questions we have a friend from google who's just like asking <laughs> me so many questions and uh that's yeah, where as, I about the as, conference like, from someone it.
1: that doesn't know anything about economics i was definitely hounding the yeah so I,
0: I'll, I'll just yeah i'll just go ahead and get started usually i have all these diagrams but now i don't <laughs> so I, I i feel a little nervous about it but essentially um the, you have to if you're going to try to understand uh the current state of the economy right now you really have to look at things like currencies because everything is denominated using currencies and um there's a market for everything in in the world, right? There's a market for bikes, there's a market for computers, There's a market for currencies as well. And currencies just happen to have some, currencies just happen to be something that you use to denominate the value of all these things around you. And it could be your own currency or it could be other things as well. So uh, we started off like things with things like barter systems where we would just trade whatever we needed. We weren't able to produce, no one's able to produce everything that they need so you have to rely on other people to give you things that you need, right? So maybe I'm trying to make a pie, but I don't, I can, I produce uh, dough, but I don't produce salt and sugar. So I might go to Shaquille and barter for that. But eventually we moved on to something called commodity money, um, where uh, it's it mainly consists of things that have value by, in them.
1: By we, you mean like all of humanity. Yeah, pretty much. yeah.
0: So they have uh, underlying value, but they also have use cases. So for example, if you use corn or grain um, flour can be considered uh, commodity money as well they, they can be used uh, for specific things but they can also be uh, exchanged but they don't they're they obviously have certain problems with them not making them as great of a money right so eventually we moved on to precious metals so silver uh, bronze right copper uh, and gold um, and gold just happened to be something that was really, uh, uh, really great for money in terms of uh, not having a supply that can easily increase. Uh, you can only find like a fixed amount of, go- you can only mine a fixed amount of gold every year. It's hard, very hard to pr- produce more than that, even though it's possible. It's just very hard. And so eventually, we end up having this thing called the gold standard, where instead of carrying on large amounts of gold and uh, silver, we would just have a bank hold that gold for us and they would give you uh, paper notes that represent a certain amount of um, that uh, that gold, right? So it could we had, I think in 1930s, it was um, a dollar was worth like one twentieth of an ounce of gold and then, ni- and then afterwards, after Bretton Woods, it was worth uh, 1 35th of an ounce of gold, a dollar. And so you could actually go to the bank. Before 1971, you could actually just go to the bank and you're like, hey, I want my gold, and they would give you your gold. Um, but yeah, and then what happened was in 1971. What the issue was? Uh, we had we had this thing uh, situation where after World War II, we were able we had the so majority with
1: with the idea of paper money. Yeah, um, that was always backed by some kind of. Yeah, uh, it was always or...
0: it was always backed by something like gold before that. Okay, um, but. What happened was after World War II, uh, the U.S. didn't really have to use as much capital compared to the rest of the world, and so we ended up with uh, something like I think the number is three fourths of the world's gold in total, and so we were like, hey, we'll become, we'll become the world's reserve currency. We'll make sure that we one dollar is worth I think uh, one twentieth of an ounce of gold, and the rest of the world will have uh, different exchange rates for their currency. So. Uh, Bengali, uh well, Bangladesh didn't exist at the time. Maybe the British pound exchanged for a fixed rate with the U.S. dollar, but it depended on trust, right? You know, the trust that the U.S. Um, printed the amount of my, uh, money that they actually had gold backing it. So what they ended up hap- what ended up happening was, we printed more money than we had gold backing it, and so this
1: was in 1930. Uh, no, this
0: is after Bretton Woods, right? Uh, Bretton Woods, I think, was in like 1944 right what is britain woods but yeah so britain woods was this, ag- this agreement <laughs> that i i was just talking about okay. Bretton woods is um that agreement after world war ii where the u.s became the world's reserve currency and right okay we, had, we got you, yeah we, we said that we mm. would uh w- the dollar would be backed by a certain amount of gold and the rest of the world's currencies will have a fixed rate okay. between the dollar and their currency and so we betrayed that trust and we, we went all the way to 1971 and we had printed so much money but the amount of gold we had was uh far less than that so Nixon had to uh, terminate this like contract where people can go and redeem their paper money for gold and after that we've just had this thing called fiat currency which um, is just completely trust based money like the only reason that the dollar has any value the only reason any of these currencies around the world have any value is because people trust that it'll have value so so for
1: the last 50 years that's in the basis of our money, yeah. Okay, so it's, and it's, it's something
0: it's very unique. We have it's an experiment. Like it's uh, something that's unprecedented, to like yeah.
1: all of human history.
0: Yeah, uh, that, from what we know, this is like completely unprecedented. Gotcha.
1: Um, could you check how much time it's been recording? Because it, it shuts off uh, automatically after thirty. Yeah, it's still good. It's, um, Twenty minutes. Should so I look, look
0: at this camera time. or this camera? By the way, you can look at that. When you're all talking, right. you can talk. Yeah, at like, all right.
1: When he's talking to you, you can start. Looking yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we're, we're good then. Um, um, what are we just talking about? Fiat currency. Okay. No, I lost my glasses, uh, so I have no yeah. idea what that says. <laughs> okay, so so currently, in 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 today's modern time, we're running on something called fiat currency, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, you can you can move on to like uh, So
0: the money we have right now these fiat, fiat currencies. currencies. The, the point... Idea, idea behind, behind them, them is that you need, need a lot, lot of trust. trust. You, you need people. You need governments to try to mandate these things and make people really believe that you know, uh, their, their money will will be worth something, right? And its value will be retained. Um, um, and, and so, so money, money itself, like you have to, you have, have to ask yourself what, yourself, what is money? Money is just a convenient mm-hmm. way of carrying around um, the value of your work, right? So, secure. I know you you interned like as a nurse aide or something, right? I don't know. who they Uh, medical assistant. Medical assistant. Yeah. My fault, bro. Uh, all good. Yeah, I don't know if you're a uh, pre-med student. Uh, right. I'm nursing major. <laughs> I mean, no, no. This, this is my fault. Yeah, business
1: students so don't learn anything. All sorry. good. All good. No, I mean, I, I don't know anything uh, about this. So it's all yeah, my up. fault. All uh, right, I'm a bad friend.
0: Right. <laughs> but anyway, um, when, when you, you work and they give you a paycheck. What you're essentially doing is you're converting the time that you spent, whether it's like an eight eight or nine hour shift, Mm -hmm. you're converting it to this thing. Imagine all the energy and time you put into work and effort, you've converted it to this money, essentially, this piece of paper that has a promise that you can now use this money to buy things, goods and services. You can pay your rent or whatever
1: else you it on, go get some stuff. Okay, right. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, what you're saying it's it's pretty volatile because that there's. Well, well it's not really volatile. It's
0: actually pretty stable. Uh, okay. But over long periods of time, that can change. So uh, throughout history, um, as we mentioned, it's always been linked to something like a hard asset, right? Meaning things like gold. And um, fiat currencies themselves, they can't convert to anything. Like if you go to the bank and you're like, Give me my gold. Like they're gonna laugh at you. They're not gonna give you any gold, um, but you could try to buy gold with it. But it just won't have the fixed rate of exchange as it did before. Uh, so let's see. I'm just gonna go. So similarly, money. Just as there's money, um, credit in the economy functions very similarly to money, right? Credit can be used just like money to buy goods and services, and uh, credit is like borrowing from yourself in the future, right? You're expecting yourself to pay, uh, pay for those things through, through work that you'll do in the future, right? So maybe you, you got a credit card and you bought something, uh, th- and you, you don't, don't have the money, money for it right now, now but like, you, you expect, expect yourself, yourself to, to work, work and pay, pay that off, right? Mm-hmm. The difference between credit and money is that credit itself is a lot more volatile, because credit can be created and destroyed in an instant, right? right you, can you can suddenly decide, I'm not paying you back the loan if you, if you, do, if you like working money or something, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, you can, we can. Easily decide like, hey, uh, I'll, I'll lend you like five hundred dollars. I've created credit in that sense. I still, uh, I technically, I still have ownership of five hundred if you do pay me back. But now we've created additional credit in the economy. Okay.
1: And so credit is more volatile. Um, and so. And credit was, the, the concept of credit was created around when.
0: Uh. Well. I, I don't know if we have exact date for okay. when credit yes. was created, but the thing about credit is that there's it's a, a lot, lot easier to create credit. I than mean, there. I guess
1: I guess of credit is debt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I don't know how long that's existed. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Uh, but with uh with credit, the thing is, there's a lot more of it because unlike money, you can't just we can't uh we personally can't print it, right? The the U.S. Treasury can print it, the Federal Reserve can print it, um, but we ourselves can't make new money we can try forging money but it's not. It's, we're not going to be that successful but we can easily create new credit in the economy so let's see I'm gonna go to so money has like these very various qualities that make it you could that make one money a better money than others right so to give you an idea uh, it has to be durable right uh, you don't want uh, you wouldn't want your money itself to be something that easily, that's super fragile that easily breaks imagine if you, you had like glass sheets of paper as money you, that wouldn't be great, because then money can be easily destroyed. Uh, it has to be portable, right? You have to be, ta- be able to take it from one place to another relatively easily. It has to be fungible, meaning uh, one item of it has to be the same as another. So one US dollar is the same as another US dollar. They're exactly the same. Uh, similarly, when we had gold as money, one ounce of gold was the same as another ounce of gold. Maybe the shape was different, but essentially they were the same thing. Uh, they have to, It has to be saleable, right? By saleable, we mean it has to be widely accepted. Um, and if no one accepts your money, then you can't really use it to purchase things because it's just not recognized as money. Uh, and it also has to be verifiably, um, you, can, you can verify that it's authentic, right? So for the US dollar, you go to the deli or you buy something, the guy goes up like this, he's like, is this fake? No, it's not. All right, you're good to go. Same thing with gold. You have ways of verifying it uh, using different machines. Uh, but the most imp- like the there's some other qualities that are very important as well. Like it has to be divisible. Like the dollar breaks up into a uh, hundred parts, right? And not not the dollar. Yeah, the dollar can break up into hundred parts into hundred cents, uh, and the and a hundred dollar bill can be broken into a bunch of dollar bills. Similarly, um, it also because money is dependent on trust, it has to have some sort of established history. If if it doesn't have a history as money, then um, as something that can store your value, as something that you can trust to take your all your hours worked and convert it and it will retain its value. If it doesn't have that trust, then people wouldn't really use it as money. It wouldn't be a very good money. And this is something that's more recent, but uh, money that's censorship resistant is also a, a great quality for money as well. So the thing about cash, like <laughs> we have a lot of businesses that are like cash only, right? Probably because they want to avoid taxes, right? <laughs> whatever it is, but uh, that 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 gives an advantage for a certain currency over another, right? Imagine there's only a currency that's completely digital. Even though it's more easy to use, it just becomes less uh, in demand from these particular people, right? But censorship re- resistance is something that's increasingly important. What do you
1: mean by censorship
0: resistance? Right. So right now, when you send uh, money unchased or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were like, "Hey, uh, Shaquille's account is looking really sus. We're gonna freeze your transaction." I've heard instances of like uh, friends joking around and they put like a uh, like a weird emoji on uh, on like a uh, a Venmo transaction, right? Okay. One, I think I- I'm not gonna say his name, but one of our friends <laughs> he put a weird uh, emoji on uh, a Venmo transaction and uh, they flagged his account and he couldn't use it for like a year or
1: two oh because um, it because it was sus they
0: thought it was like really sus I think okay. he, wrote, he wrote a comment on it like that was really sus Like probably pretending like okay gotcha gotcha, or something. gotcha
1: yeah so uh, like for charity week um, they're usually one finance rep yeah. where like everyone that donates that it goes to their Venmo yeah. and their Zelle um, and then they don't donate all of it at the end Yeah. so like some people they have like 40k in their yeah, account because of wow. charity week and then like it's pretty sus like I've I've heard a couple of things. They, like, like, the, their accounts it 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 doesn't get freeze but they'll yeah. get like calls just to like ask and, about and it yeah. or like emails and stuff. Yeah. So
0: that's like an increasingly important quality of money, but um uh, the most important quality of money is this is that it has to be scarce, right? It, and by by scarce, um I mean something that isn't like easily produced. But you know, there's a lot of information so I'm gonna have to read uh, this quote for from it. Nick Szabo. Um so a monetary good, he says, has to have this unforgeable uh, costliness, so it has to be very expensive to produce more of this, so in other words, the good uh, must not be abundant or easy to, uh, easy to either obtain or produce in large quantities. Scarcity is perhaps the most important attribute of a store of value as it taps into the Im- innate human desire to collect that which is rare. And he says, this is the original store of uh, value. So when I say store of value, I mean something that can retain its value, right? Yeah. Something that can help you take the hours that you worked as uh, as a medical assistant uh, to uh, make sure that you can re- keep that for like a year or two years and you can still buy the same amount of things that you could when you first got it. So that's something that's really important. And gold has historically been the most uh, scarce Uh, monetary good that you could have right it's been the hardest it's been the hardest thing to produce more of so I think the number itself that uh, Saifuddin Amos he's an economist that he gives is gold the most that we ever increased the supply of gold in one year was something like 2.7% we've never increased the supply of gold more than that Mm -hmm. right so imagine look look, take the total supply and each year a certain amount is being print is not printed being mined but the most we've ever been able to increase the in supply is by 2.7%. The number is around there. And so one of the ways to measure um, is to uh, ex- do exactly what we just said. We look at the existing stock, right? So how many US dollars are there? How many, how, ma- how many ounces of gold are there in the world? And then we divide that by the flow, right? Which is the new uh, amount that has been printed or mined. And so that's just a, that just gives you a number. That you can use
1: to so the stock is what's already there and then the flow yeah, is like and how so, much we're mining to yeah get. so that okay. gives
0: you that gives you a, a number um or a ratio right that you can use to compare one thing scarcity compared to another okay um but yeah that's that's the most important quality of uh, money of uh, good money
1: so the most important quality is the stock to flow ratio that it's scarce that is scarce yeah, right? And, that like, and that's based yeah. on the stock yeah and so to
0: give you some like historical context of uh how important this thing is right uh there's certain like um civilizations in africa where they had these things called agri beads which are glass beads that they used as currency okay uh, and so like when the europeans came to them they realized hey this is what they use as a currency and for us glass is a lot more abundant than what seems to be what it seems to be for them so they just came with all these uh, agri beads, right, small glass beads, mm-hmm. and they completely wrecked their economy because they were able to um, were able to produce a lot of it, and so now the value of each of those agri beads that they had within their uh, country or uh, civilization just uh, wasn't uh, as valuable because there's okay. so many more of it. Dang. And so they imagine, caused inflation pretty much. Yeah, and imagine okay. you have uh, more money. The same amount of things to buy.
1: It's it's like I mean. that story of uh, Mansa Musa when he was doing his, yeah. lunch, um, and then he, he was spreading gold, gold yeah. throughout all these cities, and then he completely like wrecked the Egyptian uh, inflation rate of gold. Yeah, so he, oh, yeah, so that's the funny part. We shared yeah. that
0: story thinking like, well, like Mashaallah, he's uh, he donated a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> him donating money didn't change the amount of things that have been right. produced in the economy. So the supply of everything the supply of that everything stayed the same uh-huh. uh the, our, the things that we were producing remained the same but the money increased so he just inflated the value of their right, currency. Right. but you know he's, I'm sure he still did yeah, a yeah, lot of value did. he did distribute wealth back to like yeah I it's guess. it's a
1: it's a good little story to just show yeah. like where we were at one point
0: yeah and so the thing about currencies is that they've oh they've always somehow ended up uh, dying in one way or another okay and Especially, this is especially true for a fiat currency, right? But even when we had um, money that was backed by gold, the issue was that we would have we would increase this thing called the money multiplier, right? So imagine I I have a bank, right? You and me have a bank, Day One and Chickdill's bank, and we have a certain amount of gold that we are holding for people who hold dollars, right? And let's say we were in the time where we had the gold standard, right? And we decide to suddenly print more money than there is gold. So, this trust, we, we're, 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 our customers are trusting us that we're going to always maintain this amount of gold. But if we decide to print more dollars than we actually have gold, we now have a scenario where we can't actually give all of our customers the amount of uh, gold that we owe them. And so, this trust has been always betrayed by governments uh, who have been in charge of it, especially when we've had banks like these it's, the trust has always been destroyed and so it's like a artificial way of you um, Increasing the money supply where you've essentially lied to you. and this is going on and like <laughs> this goes on like uh, it, it goes on in different ways even now there's Similarities to things that we're doing in different economies that are, are like this as well. So uh, We actually yeah, so I um, so money, because it's always been backed by something, but this trust, there's this huge incentive for us to break this trust, right? Everyone wants to somehow get more money. And if you just print more money, that's like why wouldn't you take that chance? especially when imagine you're a government and the economy is not doing so well. You decide to inflate the supply. but what you've done is you've you've given you've, you've created this hidden tax on every person who owns cash and their cash is now worth a little less than it was before depending on how much money we print and we did that this year like for example um, something like 25% of the total supply of US dollars was like printed this year and that value is like ridiculous when i uh, when i read that i was like this is really crazy is it recording
1: this one damn yeah it stops at 30 oh, yeah I have to press record again i don't know when it stopped it's fine from yeah it's it's all good yeah it's fine yeah just start yeah just start it again on like? uh, the red one on the side. Yes. Yeah,
0: continue. Wait. Wh- where exactly was I? <laughs> what exa- What was the last point that I mentioned? Uh, uh, yeah. Just... <laughs> so yeah. So one thing to remember. Yeah, is that all currencies uh, eventually die, in the sense that uh, the people who we trust to maintain the value of that currency betray that trust. Right. And so we've had this in various ways, right? So for example, when we had um, even when we had gold coins, right? Mm-hmm. They, I, uh, they would what they would do is they would uh, they would literally cut off uh, the ends of the gold coin so they could take a bunch of uh, additional gold and make more coins. Uh-huh. Imagine you tell someone, "Oh, this is an ounce of gold." or You decided. I forget what the exact term is, but they just cut off a little bit from the ends of it, so the shape of it looks roughly the same. But the weight of it is, or or they mix in like another metal with it,
1: and then they just recolor it.
0: Yeah, right, or okay. not recolor, really but they could just coat it, coat it with gold right, itself. Right, yeah, and so that was one way of increasing the money supply. They've always been really creative with how they go about doing this. Okay. Another thing is similar to what we did uh, after the Bretton Woods Agreement of nineteen forty four, where we, uh, where we decided to print more dollars mm-hmm. than there were gold. Right, and the rest of the world trust trusted us, and we betrayed that trust. and the u.s citizens uh who own dollars as trusted us as well and we we also betrayed that trust uh, when nixon decided to cancel the redeemability of uh u.s dollars for gold in 1971. so what's crazy about uh anytime you increase the money supply whether it's by chipping at the or just cutting off like the ends of gold coins to create more or printing more u.s dollars the thing about is it's that it's a hidden tax you pay your uh, income tax and state tax whatever tax that you have but now you have this additional tax where your money is worth uh a little less it could be it could be in various ways right so it could be inflation where the price of the things around you increase mm-hmm. or it could be a currency devaluation where relative to um relative to the us your us dollar now buys less gold it buys uh, less of other currencies as well so when you do print more money uh, it does affect those things, even if we don't have inflation. So we have people who will say like, "Okay, oh, inflation itself is a myth, but it doesn't have to be inflation. It could st- it still leads to the devaluation of the currency." Um,
1: What's the difference? Wouldn't yeah, those so essentially cause the same results. No, not always. So
0: the thing about um, thing about uh, the things that we produce around us, mm-hmm. there's there's just there's another. So we I'm gonna get to what define okay, inflation okay. and deflation, okay. but the things around us uh is no, the
1: inflation and devaluation you mean yeah so
0: inflation and devaluation are not the same thing okay so you're for example this year the dollar uh, uh you can the gold rose in value uh like mm-hmm. 30% uh uh in comparison to the US dollar right um you, you go you can buy 30% less I mean, you could also think of it in a way like you can buy 30% less gold with the same amount of dollars now you've had you could you could call that gold inflation if you want but that's not really what it is it's a devaluation devaluation of and the also, dollar yeah and also okay. when you print more uh, dollars and now the same dollars gets you sa- less euros or less uh uh yuan whatever it is or less yen that's also a def- uh, that's also a devaluation but you haven't seen the prices of things uh, rise around you
1: and we'll talk about why that is like there's a reason why even if okay and inflation is, is more when, inf- the, when the prices around you rise yeah but that the prices
0: of everything around you will rise but the distribution of how those things rise are very different and so that's something that we want to get to okay end, okay go that, for that's it that's actually yeah. a lot yeah, more complicated on. that took me a lot longer to figure out as well um, but yeah so there's a there's a really beautiful chart here I don't know if I could just like turn it around or whatever but just uh, send me the picture of it yeah so essentially uh it's a chart of the last uh the last 500 years Mm -hmm. and it looks at all the different reserve currencies around the world right and how they've all had um they've all lasted for around 80 to 100 years um and after that what ends up happening is the country uh these countries end up having like large amounts of debt right so for, for example Uh, The U.S. has, every time we decide to print money, we increase our debt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because someone has to buy, uh, we have to sell these uh, treasury bonds and we sell them to the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve prints it, uh, prints money, and they give it to us uh, in exchange for the treasury bonds that we've uh, printed. And so that's how we were able to increase the money supply in the U.S. when we needed to, for for responding to the pandemic. Uh, And that's how we were able to give like, all this helicopter money, right? The the stimulus checks, unemployment benefits. We didn't have enough in our, um, like from our tax income and stuff, like as a nation, but we had to print it to be able to supply all these things. Okay.
1: And could you just go over what what bonds are?
0: Yeah. So bonds are just, uh, it's a similar asset. You could buy a bond where uh, someone promises to pay a certain amount of interest on that bond every year Mm -hmm. and they're paying back the, the value of the the so yeah so with bonds it's essentially a a debt right but you're buying it as an asset so you're buying someone else's loan so for for example i could buy someone's mortgage right yeah if it was like uh there's these things called mortgage-backed securities i could buy that and i'll be getting the payments of interest plus the uh principal amount that they'll be paying on that mortgage so you could get uh bonds that represent like mortgages as well there's bonds for all sorts of things there's bonds that uh there's corporate bonds where companies borrow money mm-hmm. and there's ways of like tell it. yeah there's it's like a whole uh there's a whole market for bonds as well just like there's a market for stock market
1: so for bonds are essentially well. when you buy someone's debt yeah. and you get the influx of the interest they, and as well as the, the, the payments okay bought, as well. yeah. okay okay
0: so currencies themselves um they don't last for that long right so surprisingly they last for 80 to hundred and ten years or something right
1: until every currency
0: no well by they don't last that long by that I mean that um, they have these huge devaluations right okay and so they might still exist but they're just um, they're no longer um, so in this chart that I was I'm gonna send to you hopefully, yeah it, I'll it just look the reserve somewhere. currencies reserve <laughs> currencies of all the uh, all these different countries for the last 500 years and so the order of it is like in uh, 1450s it was Portugal and then it was Spain and then it was Netherlands France Britain USA and right now we're we're in we're in a world where the US dollar is the world's reserve currency meaning it's the it's out of all the currencies that exist it's the currency that's most trusted to retain its value over long periods of time and so people okay. so for example like if we're uh, imagine we're like Bangladesh in Pakistan and we're doing trade we decide to do trade in US dollars all right and I'm not gonna would you ever Would you agree to uh, getting paid in taka if you know that I could just print more taka?
1: No, I wouldn't. Because
0: the value of that taka might reduce a lot, right? right? So that's the reason why. Uh, But the US dollar has been the most in demand. So even though we print a lot of it, it's, it's done a better, better job of retaining
1: its value relative to a lot of the currencies That's because of everyone's trust in the USA yeah, as and the a demand, whole. Yeah, and the demand okay. that exists for the US dollar as
0: well as all this debt, right? All this debt that's denominated, all this, all these
1: trade deals okay. and stuff that are denominated. So how many years dollar? has the US dollar been running if the cap uh, is usually like 110? So the US dollar itself,
0: it had these transformations, right? So mm-hmm. can you compare the US dollar from before 1971 where it was backed by, um, where it was backed by uh, gold to now? so I think uh, it didn't give me any value here at all I just gave me a bunch of question marks okay but, uh,
1: but what, what's, what's the starting year it? for it
0: the starting year for it, it's somewhere around uh, I would say 1930s okay so I, maybe or 1940s maybe alright because even uh, but yeah, yeah probably around 1940s mm-hmm. but here it's actually just showing it's not showing the starting of the US dollar it's showing the start start of when the US dollar became a world's reserve currency gotcha Right, where it became this trusted currency, but the U.S. dollar has been used much longer. But the, well, the thing, thing about these currencies is, is that, that uh, one by, by one, one, a lot of these currencies just have these huge devaluations where people decide to just stop holding this and hold gold or something else instead to retain value. How um, much time we No, how much time we until the presentation? Because we gotta go there and up. What time? I have no clue. Let me see. Yeah, so, alright, bro, yeah. You guys both have voodoo? We'll I have voodoo. Yeah, so, um, and when, when you decide to increase the supply of these currencies, that's when uh, this trust starts to really decay, where other countries and people are not as tr- uh, trustworthy of you retaining the value of your currency. So that's why right now around the world, even in the US, investors are buying more gold Warren Buffett, who famously said I would never buy gold, it's a useless thing. He decided to buy gold as well. Um, Ray Dalio, Nassim Taleb, lots of people are just buying gold because they think we're going to have, it doesn't have to be inflation, but it could be a uh, huge currency devaluation as well. And everything, yeah, so even then it would be a bad scenario, but most people wouldn't realize it. Everyday people, like bottom 50% of America who doesn't really own a lot of assets like stocks. Who primarily keep their wealth in cash? Uh, they're gonna be the ones harmed most from this, and they're gonna realize like my my money isn't as isn't worth as much even if there's no inflation on me. It's not worth as much as it was worth before. So yeah, um, so we're gonna define uh, inflation right and purchasing power, uh, just because we've been talking for about it for a little bit. But so purchasing power itself is the amount of things that you can buy with the dollars you spend. It doesn't have to be dollars, it could be Yuan or Yen, whatever else. And inflation is when your purchasing power decreases uh, and you can purchase less uh, things, goods and services, than you previously could for the same amount of dollars. So the average long-term inflation in the US, if you look at the history of the US dollar and how much it's uh, inflated by it in terms of how the prices of things around uh, have changed, the average inflation is 3% per year and so uh, inflation has this uh, it has this uh, it has this effect on asset prices right so things like stock market home prices uh, gold as well when you have inflation the value of those things tend to rise and so for example right now we've printed uh, we've printed trillions of dollars right and a lot of that money just went straight into pumping the stock market so a lot of people are like why is the stock market near its all-time highs but the unemployment rate is so high and people uh, like New York City is about to go bankrupt and all these uh, business owners are struggling mm-hmm. well the reason why is because um, when you print new money it tends to bring the prices of because people are worried about uh, well you have to look at the distribution of how that money goes but goes to different places but when it's printed a lot of that money just ends up going to uh, the stock market it goes right. into these companies who can now borrow like really cheap debt like they don't have to pay much interest on it because they decide to print with uh, very low interest rates Uh, and so yeah essentially that's what ends up happening when you have inflation but at the same time you've seen like cases like in Germany Uh, Germany actually had before like you had the rise of uh, Nazism in Germany you had huge amounts of inflation and they people were like very upset it was it was like a and their economy wasn't doing because great because
1: of World War One, and they had to pay up, yeah, pay back so, all that debt. And, yeah, and the,
0: and that's what really led to all this, um, like a person like Hitler taking power and mm-hmm. finding someone to blame. Um, and you had you had this huge amount of anger within their population that they were able to take advantage of, and a lot of that came from, uh, inflation. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Uh, so inflation can be measured in different ways, right? And this this is like a huge ongoing debate the investment community as well as economists as well but the main way that people measure inflation is this thing called the cpi which is stands for uh consumer price index and so the cpi is this basket of goods and services so imagine they take like hundreds of thousands of uh different things like food uh car prices whatever it is uh rent and they decide to um look at the ab- the change in prices for these things crazy part is they're not very open about how they cal- calculate this. Right. So the price of things can change a lot. But the amount of the the amount that food might be uh, might be considered within CPI. We don't really know that. So you might see like we did see during this pandemic like meat prices actually rose a lot. Yeah. In a lot of places. Um, but you didn't really see any inflation. Right. But you but the prices of meat did increase and there was inflation for meat prices but you just can't measure that using something like the consumer Price Index. And so uh, other economists, right, um, or investors like Ray Dalio who are able to use um, their their theories to actually invest, right? And that's important because uh, economists, they can make all these theories, but they don't actually get to test it a lot. Mm -hmm. But investors, when they have theories about what's happening in the economy, they have to use that to make actionable, um, they have to make different actions that will yield results in terms of uh, returns that they get for their clients or their, for themselves, and so that's why like I tend to trust um, investors more, just because these economists like they don't have a great track record uh, for uh, their theories about the Minnesota economy, mm-hmm. whereas people like Ray Dalio who have uh, models of understanding the economy, they they have a track record because if they were wrong consistently, then they wouldn't have a job, they wouldn't be
1: managing anyway, they would they
0: themselves wouldn't have. Uh, done well. So, yeah. It's
1: like someone that teaches business yeah, compared to like someone that has actually, a business. Yeah.
0: Who actually runs a business. So yeah. You could have all, all the theories that you want and you could try to explain after the fact, but your ideas, if they are not, if you can't, if you can't actually use them to make decisions mm-hmm. about how the economy is doing uh, you, you, or uh, what's going to happen to the economy in the future, then they're not really worth as much uh, in terms of their opinions. That's something that I believe. So Ray Dalio has a model for um, looking at inflation where he looks at the growth in the money supply and credit. He treats money, the money supply itself, like the amount of dollars and credit as the same thing because they, they both spend in the same ways. You can buy goods and services with money, you can buy goods and services with credit. So he uh, he adds money supply and credit and he divides it by, um, so he, he looks at the change in the money supply Right. And he divides that by the gross national product, the total amount of things that we produce in the nation uh, in like the U.S. And so he looks at the uh, change in growth of both of those things and he divides them. And that's how he gets that's how he calculates inflation. But there's a lot of other ways that people have calculated inflation. Um, but I, I tend to like this
1: idea much better. OK. And that's that's not a standard equation. Everyone no has it's, like, it's okay. not
0: it's not standard that's something that I've only seen him use. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we see it on the news like oh well, this is what inflation is they're looking at CPI
1: which I, I think is completely broken What's, what was CPI again the consumer price index the basket gotcha. of
0: goods and services okay yeah so I think that's completely broken it's,
1: and if you there's a there's how do you a, determine CPI uh, so
0: essentially you have a bunch of goods and services as uh-huh. I mentioned and each of them have a different weight uh, in within uh Within uh, this basket, right? So maybe uh, food prices only represent like three percent of the entire CPI cause there's hundreds of thousands of goods in there. Goods right. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And so depending on the change in prices of all of these things, if like half of them could have risen and half of them could have uh, uh, could have fallen, but they could have also averaged out so that even though there's these changes in prices, mm-hmm. it looks like they'll still say inflation was like uh, not much at all. Okay. So and you can actually uh, you can actually see this uh, in the distribution of how things have changed in prices right mm-hmm. so like I have, I have another chart here where it shows uh, hospital services college textbooks college tuition medical care child care those things have been rising in in terms of the cost those things have been experiencing a lot more inflation than other things like uh tvs software uh, toys cell phone
1: services um those things have so the things that we need they're the ones that yeah, are most exactly. affected
0: and okay. the thing is, uh, another general trend in these things is that like things that are uh, that are either like more scarce or they're artificially made scarce tend to rise in value more so for something like hospital services and medication the thing about that is um, in the US for example you can't go and buy insulin from you can't import insulin from Canada you have to buy it from like Specific people, even though insulin is like a lot cheaper in Canada, yeah, yeah, Yeah. and uh, it's it's ridiculous, right? But you can artificially uh, keep some things scarce, right? Mm -hmm. As well, whereas things like TVs, toys, those are easily produced, you can buy them from wherever you want, you could get them shipped from China where they're produced in large amounts. Uh, so that's just a general trend that I like to look at, especially because we were talking about this idea of scarcity, right? And so, things that are scarce you tend to become more expensive over time, things that are things that are just less scarce and easy to produce tend to become cheaper over time. Uh, So I I thought that was something that was really interesting. Um, So you might ask, why do we have inflation? Why can't my money just uh, have the value that it has today and have that same amount 10 years later? Well, inflation gives the government a huge amount of power in terms of being able to tax you whenever they want. Before, uh, we had um, fiat currencies, right? We needed to uh, sell these bonds, right? We had to sell these promises to pay people more money in the future. But in the meantime, they had to give us uh, money, right? They had to give us gold or whatever, uh, and we needed to use that to go to war, right? Imagine you wanted to go to war with the country, you needed you needed the support of the people, and they needed to be willing to lend you money so you could go to war. But now, if you want to go to like bomb bomb Iraq or whatever, you don't yeah. have to you don't have to ask anyone. You could have a vote and majority of the US population could be against it but we'll just print more money we'll, we'll print like trillion dollars or however much we did and we'll go to war with them so it's this huge power that it gives these uh, these countries uh, who can now access capital whenever they want and so there's also but these are the these are the more these are some of the reasons that economists state right as for why inflation itself is a good thing uh, so there's a psychological sense of progress every few years it seems like your salary is increasing and the economy is increasing in value but uh the money supply itself is increasing so it gives you a psychological sense of progress and also allows for people who have large amounts of debt uh for that debt to be easier to p- be paid off over time right so for example if you owed me uh, if you owed me, if i lent you a thousand dollars right yeah and you owe me a thousand dollars if you were paying that over to me like without any interest right over like 10-year period of time, the amount of things that I could buy um, 10 years later with that same thousand dollars yes. isn't really the same as what I, what I can buy with it now. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, um, it allows for people who have debts, especially countries, right? When, when a nation state decides to rack up huge amounts of debt, printing money or doing something else or bar, uh, buying things from another country and saying, we'll pay you later it makes it easier for them to pay those debts when they, uh, when they have inflation. And so uh, here, so it, it is essentially an invisible uh, tax on every person who holds a lot of cash, which just ha- happens to be um, the 50% of America who's less financially literate, who decides to hold on to the majority of their money in cash. So it tends to be those people who are harmed mm-hmm. the most. And so, uh, inflation, as you mentioned, could be caused by increasing money supply, increasing credit, or a decrease in the amount of things that we've produced. So, for example, when we talked about how meat prices were rising, well, there was a um, there was a interruption in the supply chains of meat, and we were able because of that, people weren't getting as as much uh, meat uh, in supermarkets. So that's what led to the price of those things to increase. So that could happen in a large scale as well. If like Imagine you had like, some really intense lockdowns where people just weren't able to work. they are not able to produce the same amount of goods and services. And so you decrease your gross national product. Whereas if the money supply is stayed the same or increased, then you, you tend to come to scenarios where uh, you, you have a higher chance of inflation or devaluation of your currency.
1: So do you have
0: any questions about that? There's a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, Could you just uh, break down relationship between inflation and purchasing power. Like yeah, just so, a little bit.
0: Uh, purchasing power is the amount
1: of things that you can buy,
0: right? Right. But in uh, whereas uh, inflation itself wait here you go let's let's look here. Purchasing power is the amount of things they could buy from mm-hmm. the dollars that you have. But inflation is when, when that dollar uh, loses uh, its purchasing power okay so over time when you mentioned the the average inflation in the U.S. is 3% yeah. per year uh, over long periods of time. Essentially, uh, you're not able to, every time there's inflation, 3% inflation, you you can now buy 3% less stuff than you could previously with the same amount
1: of dollars. Right. right? Would, would inflation be caused by a uh, decrease in pressure power, meaning like prices rise, or would the prices rising be caused by inflation? Well, yeah, so...
0: Well, you're able to measure that you have inflation because the prices of things rose. Okay, yeah, I got gotcha. Yeah, right. The price of an things indicator, re- okay. R- raise uh, for you to know that you have inflation. Uh, but remember, because to have devaluation, as we ma- mentioned, which is also uh, a kind of, it's not inflation in terms of definitions, but you can now buy less things still. Okay. Yeah, it's. I feel it's, like that's semantics. <laughs> it, <it's,
1: laughs>
0: but remember, if <like> you can <laughs> buy less. Gold. You could buy less uh, right. of other currencies.
1: Are, are they essentially different things, or is it more just it is, like doesn't matter, right? So, for example,
0: if the dollar has a devaluation compared to the Chinese yuan, yeah, it's now uh, now uh, the Chinese can buy more things from the U. S. because the dollar is worth uh, a little less than it is compared to what it was before, relative to the okay. yuan.
1: So, devaluation is relative to other currencies, whereas inflation it could, is relative it be, to. It could
0: be relative to other currencies as well as gold uh okay. i think there's other things as well but whereas
1: inflation is more ab- about where, where the currency think- is uh progressing like itself rather than comparing like well, to other inflation currencies
0: would be measured by things like cpi right right Which is okay. literally everyone measures it using cpi but i just a lot of people just think it's really broken it's not the way to measure inflation okay gotcha uh and investors like ray dalio also i think that so when you have inflation this is something that we were talking a little we touched upon a little bit before but there's this thing called the Cantillon, Cantillon effect, effect, right? Uh, this will be like the last idea I'll leave you with for today. There's this 18th century French uh, banker and philosopher. His name was Richard Cantillon. And he noticed that when... Shout out um, to Richard Cantillon. Yeah, shout out to <laughs> Richard Cantillon. Uh, <laughs> he noticed that when uh, his country found a new gold mine, right? So he lived in a monarchy where there's a king. Um, and any time his kingdom found a new gold mine... Uh, he was—he um, realized that the increase in the gold supply within his uh, kingdom didn't lead to the price of everything increasing equal amounts, right? So imagine you had uh, 25% uh, more gold within his uh, kingdom than uh, there was previously, right? When they found that new gold mine, he had this expectation that the price of everything should become 25% more expensive now. That's what his expectation was, but then that's not what ended up happening. He realized that um he realized that the money didn't really uh the money flowed through the king to the people who were closest to the king and the people who were close to the friends of the king right um and so there was this distribution of the money and so what he realized was uh it didn't lead to the prices of everything uh rising equally what ended up happening was the prices of the things that the king bought right so the price of land ended up increasing the prices of uh, expensive uh, jewelry and paintings those things were rising in value instead and by the time it, that money somehow trickled down to everyday people it didn't really have much of an effect on it but remember even though there was uh the things uh, like in the lives of everyday people like food right didn't really increase in price much those people who would ever like want to buy an asset like uh real estate or they want to buy jewelry or anything else those things are um, now a lot more expensive for these people to buy it so those things experience asset price inflation right um, but these other things didn't so that's, that's similar to what we have right now right we have these central banks they print money uh, that money goes into the bond market bond, from the bond market it goes into these companies uh, or it goes into uh, these different investment managers who borrow money and they pump the stock market or they pump uh, the real estate market and it's it's like pumped to as much as you could get, right? Numbers only go up, right? Uh, always buy the dip. That's what all these like all these people believe. Like you just buy the dip in the stock market and you'll make money. Well, the reason why you're making money isn't because a lot of the times isn't because uh, the company that you bought is like doing really well. A lot of the time, it's just because this new money that's being printed is uh, is literally inflating the price of these things. And they're like, no, there wasn't really any inflation. So how could that be? Well, you now have more money competing for the same amount of these stocks and real estate, right? There's no, there's like you can increase the supply of real estate, but there's compared to how how fast we can increase the money supply, real estate is uh pretty stagnant, right? We can't increase the uh, supply of uh, real estate that quickly compared to how much we can for the do- for the dollars in the economy. So that's what's happening, just like in Richard Cantillon's time, where it, this where we didn't find a gold mine but we, we decided to print money uh we decided to print our money instead the market and the prices of all these assets just rose so that's you have to understand like uh right now the stock market is is up not because these companies are doing like phenomenal it's just because you're pumping the stock market with new money uh freshly printed money that's what's happening right now and one way for you to actually see this is what if we took a currency that wasn't uh in inflated, right? As easily, right? Something like gold. Remember we mentioned gold supply so can only increase. Yeah. Something like mm-hmm. the most you ever increase. it was two point seven percent. Well, you can use. So there's this thing called uh, in the stock market we have S and P five hundred, right? Which is uh, average of five hundred of the largest companies within the U S. Well, if you measure it using the U S. dollar, it's just going up, right? Right. But if you measure it using gold, uh, since like. October of something in since October of yeah, since October of 2018 it's just been decreasing in value okay. so if you measure the S&P 500 using a sup, uh, a money supply that hasn't been all, uh, messed with alright yeah
1: that, that's fine continue
0: yeah so if, if alright this one died
1: too Some some calling all right,
0: just just, uh,
1: no, just all right, yeah, yeah so just wrap it up alright so just to wrap it
0: up Like, if you mentioned using gold it hasn't been rising since October of 2018 and because that's, not, that's the money that we haven't tempered with right. it's a more sound money right gold is, gold is harder to temper with whereas the US dollar we've just printed so much of it and we've pumped the stock market with it so it's artificially making making the stock market look like it's rising but there isn't really all, any new value that these uh, companies have brought to people or the economy They've just gotcha printed. so it's a scam it is a scam, yeah. <laughs> and um, it sounds terrible, right? But you'd you'd still want to be part of the scam more than you would be right. part of okay. just holding on to cash, right? Gotcha. Then you you're on the you you got the short end of the stick. So even though it's a scam, it's a lot better than just holding on to cash.
1: Gotcha. Well, um, That's thanks a lot, Dewan, for being on yeah, this first part me. of the Bitcoin Chronicles, inshallah for the second episode. Uh we're gonna go a bit more into uh how all of this applies to like crypto. Uh, to Bitcoin in particular and um, yeah is gonna look out inshallah all right so I' like them guys